bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. And I'm Erica. Erica, hello. What's how up? Are your, how are your birthday celebrations? It was wonderful. I got to spend my birthday with Desmond Cole and Elle Jones. I'm very happy about this. Wow. I know. And I got, um, Elle gave me her new book and she wrote a lovely inscription. And I'm super excited now. Now we have to have her on the pod. <laughs> And so, Erica, today we are back full swing and we've got two very big issues on the docket today. We're talking about Doug Ford and his shenanigans and the results from the midterm elections, which I guess there's a little disclaimer by the time you hear this, there may be some actual results uh-huh. <laughs> finalized. So, um, you know, I don't know. Generally, we're we're going to be talking more in broad strokes, but... So make sure that you get access to both those conversations. Make sure you become a subscriber at badandbitchy.com and subscriptions, you can pay $7 a month or $75 a year or become a founding member, pay a little bit more, but sometimes we hold little events for those people. And yeah, otherwise, if you're just subscribing for like the free shit, you're not really getting anything. Like, I'm just going to be honest with you right now. You're getting misogynist of the week and uh, kind of that's it. You're getting the free stuff on your podcast app and uh, you're missing a lot of stuff. And why don't you want to pay women of color for their work? That's my other question. I I thought we went through this after George Floyd. I thought we did this. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of other housekeeping, come see us live. We will be doing a live show in Ottawa on November 17th. So you still have a few days to get your tickets. The link has been tweeted out from the podcast account. It's been posted on Instagram, it's on Facebook, and it is in the show notes, which is a thing that you get access to when you become a paid subscriber. So we will be at the Algonquin Commons Theater on Thursday, November 17th. So come hang out. It's gonna be Uh, fun. And then a few other things, Erica wrote her Hill Times column about, well, basically what we're talking about today, how Doug Ford fucked around and found out. I got to write Doug Ford fucked around and found out and it got published. I'm just saying. (laughs) For all the like suit and tie folk to read. Well, what what could they be possibly reading that's better? I'm just saying it's a little, it's a, probably a little like, they're like, oh no, you know, a little pearl clutching. They, you know, they pearl clutched. Yeah. And, and that was exactly the point mm-hmm. that this is where we are. Get it together. Get it together. You know what? <laughs> I have a rant. Okay. Listen, for all you normals out there, get it together. And this is what I'm saying. Like some of y'all need to be a little bit more, may I say, woke. Some of you all really don't get what the fuck's going on, but that's why we're here. But not for free. See? Mm. Ah. So I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is we're past the part where, where civility is the constraint of activism, of action. So let's get it together, people. And if you want to know how, 
come see us at our live show because honestly, we're, we really are going to be talking about how you can build on either election defeats or election wins and what we can do to actually make change. Don't you all want to know that? Because that's what you all keep asking me. So we're providing it for you, but not for free. Okay. <laughs> and then other things, I wrote a profile on Oscar-winning director Domi Shi, and that was in the Bay Street Bull. I tweeted the link out. Again, it's in the show notes. I also summarized the crypto debacle that happened this past week. Oh, uh, wait, can I say something about that, Chris, that that crypto debacle? Yeah. Okay, listen, y'all. I wasn't really, really into like diving into crypto because I thought it would come, it would go. So somebody would lose their shirts. People would, you know, because I feel like if my money is not FDIC insured, the point is, if it's not insured, you're not getting my money. But also the reason this like caught my eye is because the Ontario teachers pension plan, 400 and something million dollars of their money, or sorry, of teachers money is tied up in this. And I have questions as to why they are allowed to be so reckless with pension money. So I, I and this is kind of in my piece is that I did email them and ask them about whether they had planned future investments in FTX. And basically like they invest in like all sorts of shit and they, their website basically claims that they are responsible in getting regular returns for their members. And so that was also one of my questions. Um, they had no comments. <laughs> no comments. Okay. So Doug Ford is at it again. Uh-huh. And so the Canadian Union of Public Employees, or CUPE, had their collective agreement expire in Ontario on August 31st of this year. And prior to that, and since they have been in contract negotiations with the provincial government, and they, to put it mildly, have been mostly at loggerheads, um, not being able to reach a, an agreement. And many of these workers, uh, are education workers and they make like $39,000 a year. Like that's on, their salary. On average, yeah. Yeah. And so they're some of the lowest paid public employees in the province. And so they were asking for pretty quote unquote substantial raise, but consistent with inflation and the cost of living and all of these things. And it was, again, it was still only what, like 11 or some percent that they were asking for? 11.9, I believe, or something around there. Yeah. And if you factor in inflation, inflation 6.9, mm -hmm. I believe they were asking for 11.7. Uh, so mm -hmm. their real wage increase really is 4.8. And I just want to I, you know, when I was, sorry, I'm totally jacking this, but when I was writing this piece, what I realized was that how much government is in control of the real wage increases over time. Because, you know, you hear stats about how real wages for employees have not gone up that much or have not gone up, have relatively stayed flat. 
over the last, say, 40 years. And what I realized is how much government is responsible for that because they do set the tone when it comes to wages. One of the things Ford said was that if I give this to you, I'll have to give this to everybody. And that's true. But that also raises the collective sort of, of wage level of our most vulnerable, which does, I believe, push other people up. Basically, QP threatened a strike. They put on, announced a strike notice. And then uh, the Ontario education minister, the most wonderful human in the world, Stephen Lecce, introduced Bill 28th at the end of October, which would effectively make a QP strike illegal. So this would be continuing a long Canadian tradition of legalized, legalized strike breaking and breaking new and frightening ground on the forum that strike breaking takes. And, and so let's remember that all that back to work les- legislation and right to work legislation is exactly what has eroded labor rights over time. So this bill, Bill 28, was deceptively titled the Keeping Students in Class Act. And it was an attempt to preemptively put an end to the strike by QP's education workers which was set to begin a couple days after they wanted to pass this legislation. And so basically the argument that the progressive conservatives were taking was that they didn't want the strike to take place because kids had already been out of school because of the pandemic and they wanted to kind of get them back, keep them on track. And so them being out of school was bad. And so by not permitting the QP workers to go on strike, then the kids would be able to stay in school. So the legislation passed and the then QP said, fuck you, we're going on strike anyway. So they did. So if you are thinking, well, this is weird that, you know, the right to, you know, free association and to strike is, you know, kind of enshrined in the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, you would be absolutely correct. And instead, Doug Ford and his government were like, actually, you know what, we're going to circumvent that that right. And we're going to use the notwithstanding clause as a justification to pass this legislation effectively. And, uh, well, people were not very pleased with that. In this economy, why would you be pleased? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so basically, um, QP went on strike for two days and then... Doug Ford agreed to rescind the legislation so that they could go back into contract negotiations, which is where they are now. Well, I guess technically the legislation has not yet been rescinded because um, the legislature's out this week and Doug Ford didn't see the need to, you know, recall the legislature to, to do this. And so currently there's no strike, but I guess who knows what will happen in the intervening weeks. So he didn't call the legislature back to vote for this, is what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Even though QP agreed to stop their strike and go back to work this week. So some people are holding upholding their part of the deal. Well, again, I... Okay, so my initial sort of analysis was like, listen, Doug Ford's a bully. You need to bludgeon him until he's dead and bleeding. Okay figuratively people figuratively and 
that's the thing. It's like, I, I don't think they should have rescinded the strike until they got a deal, period. Because a general strike was, was scheduled for this coming Monday, the 14th, I believe it is. And that would have, yes, it would have brought the, the province to its knees, but it would have brought Doug Ford to his knees. Mm-hmm. And that is the material point. He's not, he wasn't brought to his knees, right? On top of that, they could have coincided with go bus work strikers, um, bus drivers who are currently on strike and pulled, you could have had like a major labor uprising. And my concern is that they've lost momentum and momentum is so important. Mm-hmm. There, Because people are like, yeah, well, they can still go on strike, but they lost momentum. Yeah. And who knows what kind of what kind of communications and messaging the province is coming up with in the meantime. That's probably what they're working on more than this deal. I don't know. I'm a believer in like sometimes playground politics is what you need to work with. Okay, especially with bullies, you need playground politics and you need to like like bludgeon somebody figuratively if they're going to bully you. And this is a government that loves to bully women, particularly. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah, it. I feel like I get that it's easy to consider this a win because you got them back to the negotiating table. But on the, at the same time, you're right because QP's now, like the workers are now back working when they really, I think they really should have been like, cool, call the legislature back, then we'll call up the strike. Exactly. Like a little, you don't have to be like full hardball, but like be a little bit more heavy handed. there. Yeah. You need to be more heavy handed with bullies. That's mm-hmm. how it goes. Like it's all about power and control. And I, I just, I just hope that I'm wrong. And I hope that it doesn't get to be a protracted kind of thing, but I don't think they should have stopped the strike action just because in writing, Doug Ford said that he would rescind the bill because he still has control over timing, doesn't he? Yeah. And I I want to go back to that comment you said early on about when you were doing a research for your, your column about how Doug Ford said, well, if I, you know, give in to you, I have to give in to everyone. And this is like, if we think about like a livable wage, this is not a livable wage, right? You know, we've been doing like the fight for 15, $15 minimum wage. And we know now because it's taken so long to get there that that's still not a livable wage anymore. Particularly if you're in a place like Toronto, right? Like, isn't the like livable wage are like $22? Livable in Toronto? are looking like oxymorons right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that and this is what i figured out about toronto you don't ever want to be broken toronto Mm-mm. there was a time when you could be broken toronto that time has passed yeah and that's what austerity gets you mm-hmm. so i think what i'm trying to say is that do you want a more stable society you give people a living wage. 
wage. If you want a productive society, you give people a living wage. That's it. That's the comment. Because that's really, I, I, I don't want to go through all the studies and so on and so forth. Because that's just stupid. It's like saying, what is racism? Like we mm-hmm. know. But, you know, at what point are we ready to fight for it? And it, it's nice to see that labor woke up after like 30 years mm-hmm. and decided that, oh, we might want to fight for this. That's mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. But I also think the reverberations have already probably been felt across the country in terms of saying, oh, wow, if we get people together and we fight for something, we can actually get something done. Wow. Wild. Yeah. The fact that we were tilting towards a general strike was really quite something to behold. It was cool. I was excited. Yeah. Yeah, it was just, and it was very cool to see all of like the people that you know who aren't necessarily like the most politically engaged also be supportive of this movement. Yo, the normals came out, boy. The normals came out. Thanks. <laughs> so I guess my question is, well, I know, I know what the answer is. But, uh, <laughs> where was Jagmeet Singh during all of this? He was in Berlin. Mm-hmm. For the G7 the or related meetings. The G7? Well, there were G7 meetings happening in, in Berlin. Why is he at G7 meetings? Okay. So again, we have to come back to this question. Why does the NDP exist? Mm-hmm. And I know we've gone over this ad nauseum with David by ourselves, you know, in the shower, you're just like, why are they here? You know, <laughs> it's really one of life's big questions. It really so. is a big question. And I find it interesting that all of this labor uprising in action happened right underneath the NDP's nose. And this goes for the provincial NDP too. And it's like they were spectators. They were spectators because this was like a grassroots kind of uprising that the NDP had no part of. And so my question then becomes, so are they officially liberals or what is it? Are they just a consulting group for the Liberal Party? I mean, I hope so. I hope that like if they are, that they're getting paid for it because those consultants make a lot of money. Don't I know it? Well, not personally, but you know, <laughs> yet. <laughs> yet. I don't know the whole the whole thing. Like, I mean, I guess Jagmeet Singh just continues to di- disappoint everyone. You know what? He's like he's like a, a man that you're first attracted to, and then you get to know him. Oh God! Yeah, exactly. Don't I know those ones? Oh, exactly. He is. He is so disappointing. He is such a disappointment. So Erica, we were talking about how the these workers are generally the most vulnerable, one in terms of like class, but two also in terms of like gender and um, race, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Hello, everybody. This is where we center gender, race and class. Continue, Erin. <laughs> 
So Erica alluded to the fact that the Ford government likes to bully women. And this is, again, another women-dominated workforce. So back in 2019, the province passed Bill 124, which caps wage increases for public sector workers to 1% annually for three years. Remember, this is right before COVID, right before, you know, these nurses were like the lifeblood of our society. And the public sector is generally dominated by women and, you know, nursing has 90% women. So not only did, did that legislation unjustly prevent necessary wage increases for these more women-focused jobs, it also exempted male-dominated public sector professions such as firefighters and police. And for QP, in this instance, women comprise more than 70% of the 55,000 education support staff that are fighting for fair wages, including education assistants, library workers, administrative staff, custodians, early childhood educators, and school safety staff. So a lot of like the really key integral roles that help keep schools running and keep kids in school and keep them safe. Oh, and keep them, I don't know, keep schools clean? Yeah. That might be a concern. You'd think. So yeah, basically the most recent proposal tabled by the government offered a 2.5% pay increase to workers making less than $43,000 and a 1.5% raises for everyone above $43,000. Like, What a fucking that, slap in the not, face. It's not funny, but like to say the numbers out loud is like I a know. proposal is funny to me. Now- this is an effective pay cut that he proposed because inflation is 6.9%. Remember, this is a pay cut. So basically what he tabled was a pay cut to a, to a female dominated or female dominated jobs. So this is basically Doug Ford sponsored um, gender pay discrimination in legislation. That's the point. And many of those people are racialized because I know that when um, when you're an immigrant, especially as a woman coming to this country, one of the first jobs you might pick up is something more support staff related. Mm -hmm. And here you can you can start working and start paying because I know you all love when when to talk about how immigrants don't pay for shit. and and sort of contributing or whatever you choose to call it. But this is how you can make a wage, right? And so I think that when we talk about living wages, we need to talk about protecting people from a poverty trap. Mm. And this poverty trap seems to be state legislated. So I want people to realize, as I did, that you want to talk about these social issues. A lot of them come from state legislation. So Erica, that wraps it up for this week. Little reminder, become a paid subscriber, badandbitchy.com. Come see us live November 17th at the Algonquin Commons Theater. Link is in show notes. Link is in the description of this podcast. Link is on Twitter. There's no shortage of places to find the link to get tickets. Yeah, we're even on Mastodon. 
Technically, yes. <laughs> Technically, we're not tweeting a lot, but we sure as hell tweeted out that live show link. Let me tell you right or now, it's posted. not called tweeting. It's not called posted. tweeting. Nope, what is it's it? It's called tooting. No. Sure is. No. I am. I refuse to use. No. So, you know what? I have some self-respect. <laughs> I'm not going to say I tooted. <laughs> all right erica we will be back with misogynist of the week and thank you for everyone voting on erica's poll that she had posted even though the reality though is we were going to do both of them at some point anyway yes but who comes first see we did it we did it <laughs> all right erica i will talk to you later bye, bye.